I would say that was key is, is really operationalizing and standardizing our enablement program and then teaching the frontline managers who were my, you know, who used to be top performing ICs, teaching them how to do that and trusting them um, definitely has been the key to scaling. And then I think the other one would be um, really aligning well with our TA partners on what are the profiles that we're looking for, having that documented too. Hey everyone, George Soto here, and you're tuning into Demo Diaries. Today I'm joined by Derek Hall, who's the Director of Sales Engineering at Service Titan. How are you, Derek? Good to see you. And I'm glad we were able to get this re, uh, rescheduled. The internet uh, gods were not in our favor last time. Good to, good to connect. No, it's great to see you as well and uh, looking forward to it. Hopefully uh, they'll, uh, they'll shine nicely on us today. Yeah, I think they are today. I think they're, they're, uh, they're like, okay, we're going to stop messing with you today. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, why don't you take a quick second, you know, just to tell folks a little bit about your story, right? Your career story and how you moved into sales engineering. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a fun ride for sure. Um, I definitely didn't predict I would get into sales engineering when I started my career. Uh, after I retired from a football career, I got into tech sales, living in the Bay Area. So naturally, I got into that industry. And uh, it was great. I started out actually as a sales development rep, cold calling folks. And uh, and I, I worked at Google and then a nice startup in the Bay Area um, called Sumo Logic and had a lot of fun with that. But I did learn through that role, you know, what I liked and what I didn't like. And I learned I really liked selling software to, and helping people solve challenges, but didn't enjoy talking to folks that didn't want to talk to me. So uh, as I was figuring out what my next steps in my career would be, uh, I actually encountered the sales engineering position at Sumo Logic and at our uh, SKO, they did this amazing presentation on this really cool analytic stuff they built that really helped solve some challenges for some, you know, some Fortune 500 companies. And then I was like, wow, that sounds really cool. That sounds like a perfect middle ground. The more I learned about the role where, hey, you get to sell, uh, sell software, focus on the product, help solve customers' problems and challenges, and then only talk to folks that actually want to talk to you. So it sounded like a perfect middle ground in the right direction of some technical skills to learn on my own. It would give me a shot. So, um, you know, I was fortunate. I took, took advantage of that. You know, went on Code Academy, Google, online resources, learned various technical skills needed to do the role, learn regular expressions some SQL stuff, and just really aggressively worked to be as, as good as I could and, and eventually promoted and, and worked my way up and um, was fortunate uh, when I moved to LA to get hired as the first sales engineer at Service Titan. And I told him I wanted to build out a sales engineering organization. And, you know, now we're, uh, the company's grown and a ride. I love the role. Awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit about the career path, uh, typically of a sales engineer. You know, since you've been building out that organization, how do you sort of think about the the different, you know, roles or, or layers uh, throughout the organization? And then some of the factors involved with really promoting folks through that uh, through those, you know, through that journey, through those layers, and then any specific sort of like attributes or responsibilities that maybe a entry level SE would have versus a, 
you know, mid, mid layer manager versus, you know, of course, uh, a leader or maybe someone in more of a director level. You sell to more business owned, you know, business and you maybe need to have technical skills. So it's certainly going to vary between company, but I'll say no matter what, you know, I always want to encourage people that whatever's technical skill you need for an SE role, you can learn it, right? The, the content is out there. If you, if you're willing to take the initiative and you have the drive to do it, you can always acquire the skill needed to do an SC role at various companies. Uh, in terms of what I think about in terms of career pathing, um, you know, I certainly set up various levels within our organization. We have entry-level associate SC positions where we give folks who um, you maybe have less SC experience or less technical background, the opportunity to really work, um, work their way up and acquire skills to do the role. So um, for them, you know, we're mainly looking for traits, right? Traits are, are really important for me. Um, for anyone that I hire, I focus more on traits than hard skills in, in terms of who I hire and, and who I promote. And I'm looking and I'm always looking for folks who are self-starters, who are who take initiative, who can really hunt and make things happen. And then I'm also looking for folks who have a really strong intellectual curiosity, who I trust will really embrace learning, right? Learning the skills, learning the product, learning our customers' industries. So um, I have an entry level where they can come in and if they have less technical skills, they'll at least start in the role with some uh, smaller deals and some admin work on our demo environments. And then we'll train them on how to sell like a sales engineer the way we want to. We'll give them, we'll, we'll point them towards learning programs and online courses to build the technical skill. And then as they perform, once they prove that they can do the role effectively, then we'll promote them. And then I have various levels on the team from our, our inside uh, SE team that sells uh, SCBM and market accounts to an enterprise team that sells in the field, really large accounts, um, you know, in, in each way, you know, obviously you can work your way up based on your, your performance. Uh, we have various metrics that we track within the team and I do my best to promote internally for these roles. Um, but, you know, at times we certainly have to, uh, we have to source externally and, and we're always, you know, we're looking for folks that number one, have those traits I listed before. That's the most important thing to me. And then we'll do some kind of, you know, assessment of, of how well they can present and depending on what level they are, they're applying for within the role, we'll have some basic, uh, or we'll have some expected technical background um, for them to know, right, around cloud technology, understanding how SaaS software works, uh, proven that in the past they've been able to learn a technical skill for a job so that I know that they can learn what they need to learn um, to be able to do the role effectively here. So, you know, in summary, I, I mainly look for traits um, when it comes to folks that I'm looking to hire and promote and um, a really strong intellectual curiosity and, and a proven ability to learn complex concepts because I'm confident, you know, we can point someone like that in the right direction and they'll learn what they need to learn to do the job well. Now, you were the first SE at Service Titan and have scaled the organization. And I think that last time we were chatting, you said something like Service Titan was maybe 100 and something people or something like that when you joined. Was that right? Yeah, I was employee 148. Okay, now we're at about like 1,400. So I was about to say 148. Um, it's probably yeah. my brain recalling. What were like some of the challenges with scaling the team that you encountered? And like, what does sales engineering look like now at Service Titan when I think you're about like 1400 people or so? 
Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's always challenges with scaling, always growing pains. And, you know, it was my first time um, building out an organization. So I had to learn a lot on the fly. And for me, the some of the biggest challenges with scaling is one, um, finding sales engineers. And, you know, it's, it's really a niche position. You know, there's not always a there's not a huge pool of, of folks to hire from. So finding the right ones with the right traits was always the, the first challenge, but luckily we had a great talent acquisition team. And then the second thing was really figuring out how to operationalize training. So training and enablement is so, is super important to me. It's, it's behind, you know, staying on top of our numbers and our performance. That's the second most important thing that I work on and that I put my, I direct my managers to work on is how do we really operationalize and improve how we train and enable people. And, um, you know, really put documenting a, a very specific system and an enablement track um, so that I could operationalize and make that process consistent as we grow the team larger and larger. That was super important to me. And, and one of the keys to us effectively scaling was building out, we, we have an internal LMS system, building out an onboarding plan in there, building out a playbook for, you know, how you train all of our new hires on various modules. Uh, and so documenting all that so that we can have very consistent and have consistent performance across the team was uh, was a big challenge, but super important and, and key to us scaling. And then as the team grew larger and larger, I had to start delegating a lot of those training responsibilities to frontline managers and, and train the trainers, which was a hard transition for me. It's something that uh, I take a lot of pride and ownership over, and it was hard to make that transition to let some of that key responsibility go. But um, it was super, it was the only way we we're going to be able to continue to scale and performance manage the team effectively because, you know, once we got past six, seven, eight people, you know, I don't have the bandwidth to really watch everyone and or check in on everyone. Um, so I had to really build uh, trust and, and had to really enable my manager, my frontline managers to do that work for me and, and take more of a strategic role, you know, keeping a high level, high level view over how everything is going and then really jumping in to solve specific challenges as they popped up. So I would say that was key is, is really operationalizing and standardizing our enablement program and then teaching the frontline managers who were my you know, who used to be top performing ICs, teaching them how to do that and trusting them um, definitely has been the key to scaling. And then I think the other one would be um, really aligning well with our TA partners on what are the profiles that we're looking for, having that documented too, right? Having a playbook, right? Obviously you're hearing me say document a lot, documenting what traits. And, well, it's and really important. For. You, you can't scale without it. So I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah, you really can't. And um, documenting all the stuff that we're going to do for training. And, um, you know, that can be pretty loose depending on the company. And, and I was determined that uh, I was going to make that very standardized. And I think it's helped us um, scale effectively. Now, I'm, I'm going to sort of back up and uh, go back in time for a bit. If you think about your journey or your experience transitioning from an IC to then a manager of people, and this is actually quite timely because I was giving some advice to a friend of mine who is making that transition. Now, she is not in you know, sales engineering. She's on the sales side. But it's certainly like that transition from being a total rock star IC 
to now a manager of people, irrespective of, you know, where you're at or what team you're on, uh, is definitely like a process. Anything that you sort of remember from that transition, any, any learnings that you would give folks out there who are in that process? Yeah, it's definitely hard, uh, especially when um, you're a star IC and we really enjoy the recognition, right? We work hard for it and we, and we really enjoy being on that leaderboard. Um, so really, I think shifting the mindset now where your success is now your team's success and, and you're going to actually shine through your team shining and, and making sure you're really comfortable with that before you get into a management position is really important. Um, I would say I get a lot more reassurance now, or I get a lot more gratification now when I get sent compliments on how my team is doing. Like someone shared a, a really nice Slack on how, you know, my, uh, one of my ICs just crushed a, a call and helped close a deal and they're doing great. Like those are the things now that you, you need to embrace and feel really great about as you transition to more of a leadership role and do your best to really bolster and, and have your IC shine. And I think embracing that mentality um, it's super critical for you to be a successful manager and really get the buy-in from your team that, hey, you're there to support their success. You're not there to make sure that you're shining or you're getting all the recognition. And I think um, ICs uh, and folks respond to that when they, I think they can view that as being refreshing when their leaders are truly uh, like genuinely bought into their success and not worried about getting their own personal credit. I think people uh, have an easier time following and listening to people like that when they feel like they're really bought into their own success. So that was like one of the, the more challenging but important transitions I made from IC to manager and it's really uh, paid off well uh, on the team. So I say that's key. And then like I said uh, before, as you're transitioning, um, you know, it just becomes even more important to, to document, um, document, document everything that you can to, you know, make sure you're on top of how you're going to help enable your team success, how you're going to help, um, you know, point them in the right direction on, on where to go. So I would say really, um, and as you're, as you're, as you grow in responsibilities to where you're not just managing your, your own performance, you got to manage other people's performance, taking lots of notes can help you keep on top of all of the things you got to work on across various people. So if you're not a copious note taker, I say that was one of the really important things to adopt as you become a manager. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, they say that's one of the reasons why Michael Jordan never became a coach because he, he really could, he was incapable of, uh, of not, you know, keeping the limelight on him, but yeah, you know, I don't know, you know, who knows, but yeah, that's okay. That. You know, there's a, it's, it's not for everyone and, and you can have a fantastic career as an individual contributor and that's great. And, and, you know, you can have a, a really fun, fulfilling career as a manager and uh, they both have their own benefits and challenges. And, and I always push my team when they're considering where they want to go in their career, we're very transparent about, pushing them to really network and really learn what the day-to-day -day is like. Cause again, not everyone's going to be happy in the, in the management position. Um, so it's, it's definitely something to deeply explore and, and, and leverage networking to make sure it's something you want to really embrace. Awesome. Now let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges that pre-sales professionals deal with on a daily basis. What does that actually look like for a pre-sales professional and you know, I know there's probably a million of them, but if, you know, maybe some of the, the top one or two that you, you, that comes to mind that you can really point out and 
help people sort of visualize how to over- overcome those those challenges? Sure. So I'll start with maybe some of the challenges of pre-sales uh, individual contributor and maybe some of the challenges of a pre-sales leader. From an individual contributor perspective, um, obviously, you know, different companies will vary. Uh, I know if you're at a SaaS company and specifically a, uh, a startup, or I take that back, even mature SaaS companies, you're, you're, you have a large development team, your product is always evolving, right? It's constantly innovating. There's all this pressure and in, in, uh, investment to continuously grow product offerings to unlock new markets, unlock new opportunities, get more revenue from your install base, find other revenue streams to acquire. So as a sales engineer, you know, you're responsible for being a true subject matter expert on the entire product offering, unless you, you, know, you have some specialization um, set up at the company. So there's a, there's a lot of pressure with that, right? You have to, you know, you have to be laser focused. You have to be very accurate with the expectations you set. You need to be dynamic with how you talk about the product. So staying on top of all of those updates can be a real challenge and being able to not only stay on top of the product updates, but translate, how does that change my talk track? How does that change the solutions or the recommendations I give to prospects? So it's, it's a lot of work um, to stay on top of all of that. And then if you're uh, in, in that, could, that's just within your product, right? Perhaps you're, you know, you need to learn new infrastructure or new technologies. Maybe your company is adopting new, uh, a new software stack or, um, you know, new components that now need to update your talk track and you're going to need to answer technical questions about it. So there's just a massive evolving landscape of stuff to learn. So building a strong system to stay on top of all of that change, all of those changes is, is a big challenge, right? One of the biggest challenges of the role, because in the end, you know, we have an engineer in our title. So the prospect expects us to know what we're talking about and to be 100% accurate, right? There's more pressure. So I would say that's a big challenge. And but it's a great challenge, right? You rather have that problem than, you know, have a stale product that never changes. And then, you know, you, you know, you end up running out of opportunities faster. As a leader, a pre-sales leader, I'd say one of the biggest challenges is constantly um, making sure the value that you're providing is understood by the broader organization. So, you know, obviously uh, account executive, um, you know, our partners over there or some of our other cross-functional partners we work with within product or onboarding who we work on a regular basis, they get the value that we're providing and, and especially, you know, a lot of the deals we're brought into, they don't close without a sales engineer's involvement, but other organizations may not always understand the sales engineering role and the impact that they have, especially depending on how you're tracking sales engineering metrics. So for me, as I'm always working to get the most resources possible for my team to make sure that we're not totally drowning in work and that we have enough bodies to uh, support the demand from the business, you have to constantly be driving value and, and keeping really good metrics and making sure your finance team, your operations team, that they understand how much revenue is dependent on sales engineering teams and, and, and pre-sales teams um, and, and resourcing there. So I'd say constantly making sure that the business understands your value and your impact as a, as a pre-sales leader is also a big challenge and really important focus point. Because if you don't do that, it's a recipe for getting not enough headcount on your team, having your team burnt out because the AEs get the value and they want to pull you into a lot of deals. But if you don't have the resources, um, you, can't, you can't support all of that and you don't get the resources unless the business really understands the value that we're providing. 
Awesome. That's awesome. Now, in terms of like building demos, do you focus on like as an SE, do you focus on building and presenting or do you have like a separate team that's just focused on building the demos? Some organizations call them demo engineers. It's sort of a sort of a, a title that we've been, been seeing, you know, popping up recently. Yeah, so we um, we share the responsibility around demos. So we uh, we build an assortment of demo environments that are use case uh, and scenario specific. So we're a vertical SaaS product. So we sell to trades folks, um, you know, in the HVAC, plumbing, electrical, garage door, uh, chimney, and 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 we're always expanding that. Right, we're always looking at new use cases, new industries. So the most common ones, we already have pre-built environments that are all tailored and configured to really speak to those um, those industries and those use cases. And then we have a, uh, that's one of the responsibilities of the associate entry-level sales engineers. They're responsible for administrative work, whether that's cleanup work, whether that's turning on new features after a product release, um, maintenance, cleanup, error, you know, reporting errors, that kind of stuff. Um, and then when it comes to custom demos, that's really on the sales engineer who's owning that deal to build. They'll have their own environments that they can do whatever they want in. We have a pretty easy process for cloning out new environments that they'll then take the time to configure for that specific deal. So on a, when, when we need to do custom work, it really is on the specific sales engineer working that deal to build that environment. And, it, you know, uh, and we're a great, you know, we, we really have a team mentality. So if they need to lean on somebody else to help a little bit, or they need to lean on the associate, they have no problem coordinating that. Um, you know, we make sure we share the load where needed. Awesome. Now, you know, in terms of like tracking performance, any frameworks that you use, like I'm sure you're probably using something like Salesforce as mm -hmm. the CRM, but any sort of like frameworks or additional tools maybe that you love out there? Yeah, it's a it's a challenge, um, certainly to do performance management for the sales engineer role because it's so cross functional and it's so team dependent. Right. You know, obviously we can go and deliver a, a killer demo, but, you know, if the pricing um, isn't presented well or if the negotiation doesn't go well, you lost the deal, even though you did exactly what you were supposed to do. Um, so what we do is uh, we have an assortment of KPIs that we track with the team, some you would expect, right, we'll, we'll track uh, close rates on their deals, um, as that's a signal for their sales quality and how they impact the deal. We'll track uh, how much revenue that they're helping bring in. Um, but those are little, there's, a, there's definitely tiers of importance for me when it comes to KPIs. Those are a little bit lower because that's not fully in the sales engineer's control. We don't negotiate price, right? We don't negotiate the contract. Um, but there are, they are signals that I do care about, just less important than the next two. The two more important ones that I care about, um, the first one is we do, we use Gong uh, as a product uh, and we do uh, scoring of demo quality. So um, we have a whole scorecard for things that we look for, um, for you to cover in a demonstration and the managers will score calls on a monthly basis for every single SE. That's fully 100% in your control. So those scoring of demo quality is the top metric that we care about in their um, review cycle, right, that, that come up. And then the other metric is we track um, churn on their accounts that churn during implementation. So our product, the nature of our product implementation can take from a month to three, six months, depending on the company and, and their engagement level. So if, it, if an account churns during that time frame, then I view that as, you know, maybe we didn't set expectations correctly in the sales process. 
So we track different churn reasons. And if they churn because the pro there's product gaps or the product doesn't fit the customer's use cases, the SE is docked for that. So we, we track um, churn rate tied to those situations. And, and that's another important KPI. So those are the four most important ones for us um, that we use to try to build kind of a comprehensive view of performance and try to really orient it around stuff the SE can control. Awesome, Derek. That was awesome. One last question. I know uh, you're pretty busy, so don't want to hold you up too much. But outside of conversion rates and all the sort of like quantitative variables, what is like a killer, like awesome sales engineer look like? Yeah, a great sales, sales engineer to me looks like someone who is, again, hungry and a hunter who's always um, who's ambitious who's um, who's always looking to get better and, and learn. Uh, they have a really strong curios intellectual curiosity as well. So not only are they a hunter and able to go work with their various cross-functional partners unsolicited to try to make a deal happen, but they're always seeking something new to learn. Um, those are really critical. And then for me, in terms of a selling style, the, the you know, for me, like the highest performing sales engineer really sell like a consultant where I'm not here to throw a bunch of superlatives at you about what the product can do. I'm here to understand you know, what, your, what your business challenges are. I'm gonna map to how the product solves those challenges. And then I'm also gonna, have, I'm, I'm gonna be very knowledgeable about your business to where I can speak on industry best practices and why doing it this way is a best practice in the event that maybe you're not doing it that way. So uh, I, I'm a big believer in the challenger sale methodology. That's, uh, that's how I was taught in my early sales career. And that's how I push the team to, you know, sell like a consultant, you know, be prescriptive, be tailored, you know, take control of the conversation and, and making sure that we're teaching the prospect something as well so that they're getting a lot of value out of the, um, you know, out of the sales engagement. Awesome. Derek, thank you so much for your time. If folks want to follow you on social media, maybe learn about uh, you know open roles on your team, or maybe just follow your content. What is a what is a good URL or or particular social handles to reach you? Yeah, to be honest, I'm not a I'm not a huge social media person, so I'm not very active on uh, on you know like Facebook. I'm not I'm, I have a Facebook page, but I don't really use it too much. Uh, I'm mainly I'm on LinkedIn, so uh, you know I'm decently active on there. So, you know, feel free to, uh, feel free to, you know, locate me on that and, and follow the service time page where we're always posting um, open roles. Got a couple open roles right now. We'll have some more open later this year. So um, always welcome uh, for people to reach out if interested. Awesome. Derek, have a great, great day and uh, enjoy that LA sunshine. All right. I plan to. All right. Thank you, Jordan. Right, awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Bye.